0: Hello and welcome to Virtual Roundtables Live, the broadcast that brings business leaders together to discuss and debate the latest industry topics and trends. Now over to today's host. This is a presentation which I've used at Cabinet Office as I've gone asking for money. And it's a presentation I've used to influence my peer group at NHSBT. So it's kind of rough and ready, and I make no apologies for it because it's a shifting ground. So to me, let's get some housekeeping out of the way. Let's talk about who, what, and why. So who am I? I'm NHSBT's Head of Information Security. Now, how do I know that? Because it says so there, and it says so there, and that looks remarkably like me. I report directly into NHSBT board, so that's quite important. So I don't actually have a gap between me and board, What I I can tap into the board and they can tap me as well. And I own the cyber and information security agenda. And I think there's a distinction there. And I want to talk about that in a few seconds. And I helped protect NHSBT's assets using passive and active methods. So what is NHSBT? Well, we're an arms-length body. And now this is really interesting. An arm's length body to the, so the government means that when the government does something that, that we like, we can say, we're part of the NHS. When they do things that we don't like, we go, oh, we're arm's length. <laughs> so there's a bit of choice there. But we hold a lot of personal EU citizen data. So we're already thinking we're holding a lot of data. And we're holding it about your blood or your organs. So it's really, really important data is this stuff. So the presentation, I'm going to attempt to talk about what cyber threat intelligence is. Just a quick show of hands, does anyone know what CTI is? Okay, that's good. One. And where you find it? Okay, well, you don't know what it is, so we won't know where to find it. And what the story is at NHSBT, there's a a narrative I'd like to replay to you. And the outcome is, I'm hoping that it allows you to think about what you might do in your organization. And um, depending on time, I've got some examples. So, uh, for clarity, information security is about the controls and the countermeasures and the technologies that we have in place to protect our assets. So it's kind of, have we got them? Yep. Okay, what's the next one? Yep, next. And cyber security is about saying, okay, you've got these technologies, you've got these policies, processes. do the work. 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 And it's that continual assessment. Newsflash, sorry guys. We interrupt this presentation to deliver a party election broadcast, I think, at the moment, by the Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Group. So here we go. I'm actually profoundly deaf, um, not profoundly daft. And just to clarify this, it means that I can't hear very well. In fact, I can't hear at all. And it means that I can do different things from my colleagues. So I see the world in a very different way than you guys see it. Um, I'm white. Male, middle-aged, and I'm not really diverse, <laughs> except um, being profoundly deaf means that I am actually adding to that diversity agenda. Um, I can listen to the TV without listening. The times that people come in and say, is the TV broken? And I'm actually lip reading the news. It's like just what I do. Um, I can hear edit marks and errors on CDs. So I'll hear something Ooh, like that, because I've got two hearing aids and they work with some implants that I've got. And I can hear the click where a tape's been actually moved, and I feel like writing to people say, can I be your new quality advisor for um, for Virgin or whatever? And I can relay conversations through Windows. So I'd be really good with MI5, because I'd say, yeah, John's just saying, so of so of and Frieda's just saying that. It's really useful to see that. And I've also got really good at observing body language. So when I interview, generally I sit and don't say anything, and then I tell whether people are lying at the end, and usually I'm Right. And I'm really terrified of public speaking because I can't hear. Um, So I'm really grateful to have an invigilator with me. Thank you. Um, And I think the outcome of that is I've got a bit of a different story to tell about how I've ended up where I am. So I think everyone needs someone to think about equality, diversion, inclusion in their mix. So a quick survey, basic building blocks. So we talked about passive and active. That's where we were, weren't we, when I went off to my newsflash. So passive means I fall asleep at my laptop and think, bloody hell, is it five o'clock yet? Passive also means I like a nice cup of tea and just like, yeah, it passes a few minutes on. And passive means, you know, from a security perspective, thou shalt not bang, or thou shalt not bang. Okay, that's not true. I'm I'm much more active than that. I look at policies, I look at ways that we should be doing things and ways that we could be doing things. I ingest information and make informed decisions about it. So if we look at the CISO, they're here to do all those things. We can all read, protect, shield, defend, prevent, we get all that. So that's what the CISO should be doing. So I'm thinking about how that moves forward to the cyber threat intelligence part of the work that we do. So let's have a story. Everyone likes a story. Okay. So this presentation goes into some practical experience, some insight, and gives some examples. So once upon a time, an auditor said to us, dear NHSBT, what do you do? about cyber threat intelligence and they went good call and they sat back waiting for NHSBT and we went great Scott and the reason that we did that is because at that time we didn't have any people to think about cyber threat intelligence so they appointed me so we've got a person now they reviewed the processes and really good review of the processes We don't have any. That's great. So we we know that we've got some process gaps. And we reviewed our technologies and services, and I'll talk about how we maximise the stuff that we've got, because it is about maximising what you've got. It's not about saying, I need £10 million to do this, that and the other. So we started a review, produced a spreadsheet. Everyone likes a spreadsheet. Does anyone produce spreadsheets here? Marvellous, OK? So we've got something in common. We formulated a strategy, and we all talk about outcomes, and they gave the question to me to answer. That was good of them, wasn't it? So I worked out what it is that we needed to work out. So CTI, it's elusive to most people. Most people don't get what cyber threat intelligence is. And because it's elusive, it's really hard to describe what it might be. And we all think, yeah, we should use it um, to protect our information assets, because we don't know what it is. And it's a bit elusive, and it's a bit diffuse. We don't know where to go with it. And I think it's really simple. It's the product of accumulating, sifting, and working up information, intelligence into actionable intelligence, stuff that we can do with. And I'd say it's by an informed network. So if John Willie out in the streets says, Oh, yes, I know that NHS has been breached with so-and-so. So, that's got no validity. Whereas if NHS Digital tell me we've got a problem, we've got a problem. Oh, another news flash. Sorry, guys. An example. We like examples. So has anyone seen the Black Hat GDPR um, breach recently, where a guy went on and said that he had access to people's data because he was ringing up on behalf of his girlfriend and he got loads of data? So this is an example of cyber threat intelligence. So how did I use this? So I wrote to leads them. And because we're in cyber threat intelligence, I've redacted that. And I said, you may have seen this, which appears to be a type of social engineering. So, I've looked at our policies, I've looked at our processes, I've tried to understand whether we're materially at risk here. And I've said, if I may, it may be prudent to review the process around subject to access requests to ensure that NHSBT has validation processes. In other words, I'm saying actionable intelligence saying you may wish to. Now, I couldn't care less whether you do, I'm saying you may wish to. In other words, if there's a court case, I've told you that you should be doing that. Go do it, please. That's a sign of actionable intelligence. There's been 53 examples just on the BBC website in the last 12 months, 54 actually, there's another one today, where you could take a bit of information for NHSBT and say, are we doing the right things right? Is this a risk to us? And generally the answer is no, or we may wish to. That's actionable intelligence. That's just from one source. Oh, here we are again, another story. So I was at Cabinet Office recently, and we talked about a cruise missile, BT, newspapers, the SAS, and a front door. And I'm going to stand here now. What on earth has that got to do with cyber threat intelligence? Quite a lot. So we're given an order or a question, and we had a few people around the table. Give me access to a building. We've got a building. Does anyone know how to get into a building? Use the front door. Anything else? Uh, they usually use a tractor to get into the petrol station around... Good. My house. Good, that's a Manchester <laughs> front door. Good. OK, so the SAS said, we're going to post a cruise missile through the front door. That's how we get into a building. OK? Barry said, I'm going to fill in a form because I'm part of the NHS, but I actually said, look, I'm going to pretend to be a BT engineer, I'm being really clever here, I'm going to say, hi, it's Barry Richardson here, I work for BT, please let me into your facility, and please let me come and have a look at your computer room, because you've got a new circuit arriving, blah, 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 so you see where this one's going, now, situational awareness, this is really important in cyber threat intelligence, Because if the SAS posts a cruise missile through one of those front doors, there's going to be a big news story. And if Barry Richardson goes into Afghanistan, drops out of a Chinook, and goes and knocks on a front door of the average Afghan citizen, he's going to come back in a body bag. So this is all about situational awareness, because otherwise you're going to get poor outcomes. So every organisation has a different risk appetite, as I'd call it, for their sector. The quantity of information that they hold, the confidentiality of that information. And if you get hold of 10 million records of pointless stuff, yeah, it's a breach, but it's not interesting. If you get hold of 10 million bank records or AIDS tests, for argument's sake, HIV tests, that's completely different, but it's the same um, amount of data. So we hold a lot of personal identifiable medical information, but a government-funded agency, in other words, we're open book, and we need to maximise our reach with minimal funding. In other words, we haven't got a lot of money to do quite a lot with. So I'm going to make it real now, all right? So remember the, earlier on when I showed you the green ticks about what a CISO should do? If you think about it from a, a cyber threat intelligence uh, perspective, I'm identifying sources. I'm using those sources to adjust my security posture. You see where this one's going? I'm seeking and reducing the available amount of publicly available intelligence. I'm educating the user base who says, thou shalt not, you should think about. And I'm changing policies, developing training, and hopefully communicating clearly. Having sessions like this with board within my own organization. And I, I keep talking about this, banging on I, I can't do anything without people and technology. I need people to do work, I need processes to create the repeatability that we all want. And I've got to have technology to deliver the assurance when we've got this trinity together. And my objective at NHSBT situationally is I want to control and degrade the amount of information that's publicly available to reduce the threat surface area. So that's my weak attempt there. At looking at the threat surface area decreasing. That's an NHS um, icon, nice, easy to draw. By reducing the threat surface area, I'm increasing the effort that an organisation needs to make to break into us, and I'm reducing the attractiveness of our organisation as a target, hopefully. So do you have a large th- threat surface area? Um, can it be worked up into actionable plans to penetrate your cyber defences, and what you're do, doing to reduce the threats. Now, only one person put their hand up early and tells me that none of you are really doing the right lot about it, and that's not an insult, that's just where we are with it. So bring it, bring it to life, make it real, as Ali would say. So we had an early alert about WannaCry, because we've got a lot of people working in the NHS, funnily enough. So we spun spun up a cert, that's that I used my people and processes, to to watch what was happening. So we were seeing what other people were doing, trying to respond one step ahead. Police reported that one of our people's credentials were held on an external server. So I just blocked their account. It was a director. I couldn't care less. They rang up and said, my account's blocked. Yep, I authorised it. This is where it was found. These are the circumstances in which it was found. You need to be more clever about this in the future. We've got alerts on our next-generation firewall. Now, this is really interesting. So you've got 24 million free pieces of threat intelligence. But because it's a next-generation firewall and it's blocking you, you don't have to do anything with it. I'd argue you do. You need to see who's trying to do the what do the doing. So that's technology and people. Managed service reports saying 90% of attempts came from countries that we don't do business with. Just block them. Just get rid of that noise. FOI requests. This is an interesting one. So we have a legal obligation because we're a publicly funded body to give any hacker any information that they want so i've come along and said no no guys stop this stop this so sources for action you've seen vulnerability databases ncsc nhs digital alerts for me sectoral uh, suppliers and manufacturers you've asked them a question to give you an answer Peers, groups media ndas and procurements geopolitical considerations gossip they've all got the place in threat intelligence for scene logs and that kind of things, the out-of-hours um, uh, use of services and systems, failed connections, uh, country IPs, I can't remember all these things, so I've always got to look over my shoulder. Uh, vulnerability databases, they tell you what's actually out there and you can do a risk assessment on it. NCSC, they tell you what the political climate is, it's quite easy just to block those countries. Um, supplies and manufacturers, um, Here's something really interesting. Has anyone ever heard of a software patch? Put your hand up if you remember what a patch is. That's fantastic. Evidently, if you've got a piece of equipment or an operating system and the the system's out of date, you get this free thing off the internet called a patch that you can patch it with. Isn't that great? So one of the things that we start doing is patching. We fix problems. We do updates, we, such as the R- R- Microsoft RDP uh, recently. Pairs and groups, you know, talking to people today, it's really useful. It gives you ideas. It tells you what other people are thinking. Uh, news medias, we've seen one. Um, and I put political blocks in for Iran, for argument's sake, China, and other attack vectors that, w- that we might see. NDAs and procurement pieces, so we're publicly... Um, Accountable. So when we send out a, a procurement piece, it's got a shed load of data in it. Well, I require an NDA now and I require that data to give them back to me if you don't actually win the business. Um, geopolitical, we talked about that. Gossip, what's hot and what's not. It's useful just to hear what people are talking about today. Picked up one or two things today. Uh, some prevent sources for you. Social media, strengthen your policies. Let people know that it's unacceptable for people to put on LinkedIn, use version 6 expert of this software, blah, blah, woof, woof. You shouldn't put that down. Procurement sites, get expressions of interest. Don't give them the full full fat uh, replay straight away. FOI requests, intercept them. People will say thank you because they're giving less information if you're intercepting them at source. Websites, just keep checking them, keep checking them, keep checking them. Uh, internet-facing services, check the patch, remove headers from handshakes. Something I never thought of before is when you're actually handshaking with routers, often it tells you what operating system you, they're using, what version patches it has, etc. etc. Out-of-offices, you can get a lot of information from an out-of-office. Um, case studies, require a review. So when this comes to you guys, I've had it peer-reviewed. Is there anything here that's actionable? News articles, um, Get them reviewed, redact them, and hopefully I'll talk about that a bit later. And these presentations just make sure that they really are safe. So getting outcomes, anyone can get an outcome, but I want to talk about getting good outcomes. So we've got to educate our execs and our users and let them know what's safe and what's not. Have informed conversations with them. And recently, I picked up an individual, an HSBT, that decided to put all there. Um, let's actually see if I can get the details. So this is evidently called a credit card. And they put all those numbers there for all their family, and the names. And they put, you know that little three-digit number at the back, they put that on a lovely spreadsheet. And they put the emergency number and the code word that you used if you rang that emergency number. And there were 45 credit cards on there. So I reached out to them on... Um, on Yammer, um, got them to phone me up, and I said, look, I can go shopping on Amazon in a few minutes. Do you want to come shopping with me? I said, yeah. I said, OK, I could use any of these credit cards. Oh, my God, what have I done? And then that's a hard message, but that's something which we picked up in email DLP. It's useful. Third-party evaluation, test and retest your enterprise. Talk to one or two people about CBEST. CBEST is a government standard, third-party agency. Looks at what's out there about you works it up into actionable intelligence, comes to you and says, we could attack you like this. You go, yeah, go do it. A third party organization then does it and runs it. And usually, it has to be said, penetrates your defenses. Red teams always get through. There's always a way to get in. Just spin back. When you inform your board, start with meaningful statistics. Don't blind them with loads of rubbish. Just tell them you've done six managed changes, which has resulted in a halving of whatever. And that's a good sign. It gets that conversation narrative moving. Five benefits. Education. Educate users. It's self-evident. Education is good. Protection, it degrades the value of publicly available information and makes your organisation harder to penetrate. Much easier to go penetrate an organisation that's got a shed load of information about them than something that hasn't, unless, you know, it's, it's an organisation you want to get into that manufactures cruise missiles and you're uh, a threat actor working on missile technologies. Workload, it means it sucks a lot less work to do, which is good. Uh, informed decision making, it validates some assumptions whenever you're doing anything. And it protects your organisation in a very different way from current activities, what's out there at the moment, what's hot and what's not. That's it, except we've got enough time to spin through a few examples. He's like, all right, got time, great. So I've got a little story. Um, I swapped broadband providers recently and I kept being charged and got really, really hacked off. I'm a Yorkshireman, you know. Um, You know the Yorkshire war war cry with everything. It's how much? Well... yeah short arms, deep pockets, and I couldn't get anywhere. I phoned 15, 20 times. So I thought, oh, well, I'm going to get a bit cute about this. So I Googled the organisation. I found out their name of their CEO. I found out what their telephone number was, and I rang that head office and said, hi, it's Barry Richardson here, head of cybersecurity. Can I speak to name of CEO? And they put me straight through. I got a refund straight away, um, and... Evidently, they told me they're going to change their vetting processes. Now, isn't that a good example of how we can abuse power? But that is cyber threat intelligence. They've actually not put a facing number or a facing process in front of their CEO. I think that's outrageous. NHSBT. So um, let's have a look at this. The power of Microsoft Azure helped NHSBT deliver 139,000 life-saving appointments a month Terminal 5, Heathrow, international footfall. Massive. Free advertising. Yeah, okay. Gives an indication of data sizes. Gives an attack vector for Azure um, with non-vulnerabilities. Life-saving means it's critical data. High footfall at an international. Do do I need to go on? That is outrageous. We're actually shooting ourselves in the foot. Um, Let's have a look at this. This is another case study. We all like case studies, don't we? So the NHSBT, SCC, Microsoft Cloud, Vodafone. OK, so let's guess this. So we've got managed service partners, a network partner, um, cloud organisation, platforms from which uh, known vulnerabilities can be established. Isn't that a hacker's delight, just in that one simple detail there? Government.uk, because we're a publicly um, accountable uh, organisation, we've got to publish... All sorts of information. And it gives the names and the salaries of all managers at NHSBT over a certain salary level, because that's transparency, isn't it? So if you add the at nhsbt.nhs.uk to those names, you've got your attack vector. And if you can get some information from another source which says, you know what, Barry Richardson's just been prosecuted for so and so-and-so, I'm going to Have a word with him, and we've got some information about you, Barry. All of a sudden, I could be blackmailed. Okay, so it's a bit of a social engineering possible there. Another one um, is some, oh, my God, I've done it myself. So I've left some personal identifiable information in that screen print. Deliberately, it has to be said, just to articulate this. So I've got my personal email address, potentially known by all you guys now. Um, i put my software, and thus non vulnerabilities, in front of you if you were threat actors. And um, I've also put, because the actual point was the freedom of information request that I've been talking about so much in front of you as well, to let you know that if you want a hacker's toolkit, look at anything that's more than two years old on the FOI site, because you'll find it. Another search result is same, not redacted my own information. Um, These are procurement papers that give a a response to uh, or ask for a response for things that we want to buy. And there's a lot of really detailed infrastructure stuff there. So if you start going through all those procurement papers, you can build a really rich tapestry of who does what where, what sites we've got, what equipment we've got, what software versions it's got, etc. And you could compromise individuals by adding Facebook, LinkedIn information. You know, I've already said that I've asked people to redact Facebook information and LinkedIn information. So hopefully that gives you a bit of a flavour for cyber threat intelligence. Does anyone feel a little more informed? Just teensy-deensy just a little bit. Good, good. Um, so I think it's going to become more important as we go forward. By the way, this costs nothing except your time. So you, know, you could go into market and you could go and say, we could spend 50,000 on a contract. And yes, you could, but you can do it all yourself. And it's gained popularity because the value of threat prediction and proactive defence building has proven itself at mitigating threat activities. That's what Cabinet Office tell me. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, It's not rocket science. It's very, very mature at the moment, but I'm really happy to take questions or observations. Thanks for joining us this week on Virtual Roundtables Live. Make sure to visit our website www.virtualroundtables.com to learn more about upcoming webinars and events.